you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? I can see it in your eyes. Sorry. (laughs) Welcome back to Surviving Fundamentalism. The podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, you probably, nope, you will have a problem with this shit. Today's going to be quite the episode, and some of y'all might have a problem. Y'all know I already don't give a fuck. Come on, somebody. Tell your neighbor he don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. Come on, somebody. Um, If this is your first time listening, I'm just letting you know that I am black. I am fat. I am queer. I am non-binary, and I am autistic. And um, welcome, 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 welcome. I'm here, I'm queer, and I'm in your listening ear once more and again. Thank you all so much for tuning in, um, you know, for all of these episodes. And, um, you know, I am... It's President's Day. I work for the government, so I'm not working. And so my schedule is off, and I've been, like, binging shit all day and, like, relaxing. Um, And then I just got a huge grocery order. Um, And then my schedule has changed because I'm not at work, you know. And uh, I just put those groceries away, and my brain is just kind of, like, you know, rolling with the punches and so if I seem a little off hopefully I won't but if I seem a little off it's because you know I am and um yeah uh but um um like I said I'm so grateful to be here I'm so grateful for you all uh listening to the show um recently um as you all know we had a uh you know the Grammys Big show this year, history made, really cool. Um, Harry Styles uh, said some wild shit about um, uh, things like this not happening to people like him. And the internet was on his ass all week after that Um, for a plethora of reasons. Um, Beyonce made history. Um, if you want my detailed point of view on the Grammy Awards, um, I recently recorded a Grammy special, um, over on my other podcast called Hate It or Love It, which is the podcast about everything black music. And, um, so you can go over there and check that out. I hope you would enjoy that. But... I just wanted to talk about the Sam Smith performance and um, the way uh, the Christian artists, you know, acted, you know, when it happened and they're like, I had to leave and people are talking about how they had to walk out and (laughs) because of all this demonic symbolism and... (laughs) 
<sighs> Christians like don't surprise me, but they do fucking annoy me. Um, it, it's it's all just like sensationalism, right? Like it's it's Sam Smith is creating art. He's being sexy. He's you know showcasing his talent, um, and he obviously wants to give the girls visuals. So in that, nobody else in the audience is thinking, oh my God, I'm being possessed. I need to leave. I'm so offended, except for the fucking Christians, right? Um, they, and, and it's obvious. You can tell that these people don't read their Bibles. They're not, they're not well-versed in any of this. They're fucking flunkies. They don't understand anything about Satan or hell or Lucifer or the lake of fire. Like, like they don't understand any of the true meanings behind these things, but that's what happens when you have a bastardized religion. Um, when you have a, you know, when you co-opt somebody else's religion, particularly a religion with a tribal God. Um, and, uh, you know, with these, with these, um, these, these draconian, um, religious text, uh, tribal text, you know, these are people, these, these are, these writings were not meant to be, somebody said, um, on TikTok, these writings were not even meant to be found. Um, you know, if it was not for, uh, white people going and finding this shit, um, and digging it up and putting it into a book and then using this shit to control people today, we, we would be just going about our lives and trying to do what we do in our human experience. Um, but here we are, right? Due to colonization and um, enslavement and, and other things um, that have contributed to pretty much just indoctrinating us all with this fucking tribal bullshit um and 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 also it's, although it seems flippant the way i'm talking about this or the way i'm addressing this i as you all know i started this podcast because i am a survivor of christian fundamentalism and so many of us are and so many of us are doing the work to unpack not only Christian fundamentalism, but everything that comes with it, like misogyny, right? Homophobia, transphobia, all the bullshit that'll make you walk out of a room because there is this, re when really the reference is uh, Dante's Inferno, right? Like the reference is a fiction writing rather than hell because none of you bitches have ever been. So, but it's really like, and, and y'all don't know that y'all whole definition and idea of hell comes from this fiction book written by the Italian man. Like, girl, they have no clue. They have no clue and they use that shit to scare people and, and people be legit scared. Like, once you buy into that shit, you really get scared. Uh, and you your biggest fear is not wanting to go to hell and... And, and and also, but in order to buy into that, you also have to believe in this draconian, bloodthirsty tribal god. You have to take on that belief system. And for somebody like me who's autistic, because I know all the Christians, you know, they go, 
I just, you know, he's the God of love to me. You know, I know him. I know him. He's a God of love. And I'm grateful that your experience is one of love. But for autistic people like myself and um, my guest and partner in this episode today, we struggled with the severity of the text and dedicating our lives to um, trying to fulfill it rather than question it. And when we started questioning it and questioning the people and challenging it and deconstructing, we arrive where we arrive today. The whole Sam Smith thing is insane. Like I said, because it's referencing a piece of art. It is art. It's art referencing art and not your idea of what you think your God is going to do to you and everybody else in the world. There was no need to feel like you needed to get up because there's no such thing as hell. It literally is a figment of your imagination. And so many things are figments of our imagination and we have been taught to believe are real. Now, do I believe, you know, I, I talk about often about the known beyond the known. Um, I start, I often talk about um, this thing, spirit, light, love, energy, uh, doing unto others as we do unto ourselves and, and, and trying to walk and, and, and to manifest this energy of love, right, towards ourselves first and then everyone else. Because when love begins within as a work, with, because love, love begins within us and it needs to go out. You love your neighbor as yourself. You know, and so you, you've got to begin with you and, and so, because if you believe you are worthy of love, if you believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, if you believe that, you know, in your own beauty and in your own um, power and ability, right, you can uh, 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 pour that into other people, right, and spread love to them, you know, and really walk in what... Um, uh, the writer would have called the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, hope, peace, kindness, long suffering. You can make it through the things you go through, you know, and there's a scripture that says, and if a brethren be overtaken in a fault, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. So we're not sitting in judgment with, um, of other people. It's not the space that we exist in because we we are going to need, and this isn't something like, you know, Christian boobop, you know, you know, forgive, 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 because you don't have to forgive nobody if you don't want to. Um, and, and, and forgiveness isn't for you, um, but healing is for you. And the goal is to heal and heal um, with all you got and to allow healing and self-love to do do that work and take care of those things that um, are misplaced after we're hurt and offended and abandoned and rejected and neglected. Um, and so I, you know, that's what I think. You know, I had a, I had a TikTok go viral recently. Uh, not really viral, but you know, it got a lot of likes and views. And that's been happening to me a lot lately, which is cool. 
Um, it's only cool because I never wanted to to be really popular on TikTok. Um, one of the reasons being because I've seen what happens to people when they get huge. I have friends who I'm I'm mutuals with people who have hundreds of thousands of followers. And and I've got I've become friends with them from just being genuine, showing love. One of them has been on this show before, Eric Luis. Um and he has over I think a million followers, over a million followers, I'm not sure. But he, you know, has been attacked by stand groups and all kind of shit, lied on. Um, and, and I've seen that happen to people I'm friends with, um, who have a lot of followers. And then when they, you know, when we have met and when we've talked, they say, you need to talk more on TikTok. You need to, to, to start speaking more. And I was like, Mm-mm, I'm just going to say, but recently I've been moved to talk, um, because it was just like something I could not just let go. It was bothering me so bad. I just thought I'll say something. And that video took off. And I got so many followers from that video. And then it was like, I was like, oh shit, this shit is like, it's, it's finally happening. People are following me. The follower account has grown. I can go live, you know, like all this shit. And I'm just like, my Lord, um, (laughs) if you want, Richie added again on TikTok is my account. Um, but recently I had a video that where I stitched another creator. Um, I think her name is being Dr. Vanessa. I hope that's her her at name, um, and she and what she was talking about was the hoopla surrounding Beyonce and why she is upsetting the black church so much by just existing. Um, literally, since the Renaissance album came out over the summer last year. There have been preachers and everything who called her all kind of demons, whores, warlocks, witches, all kind of shit. Um, and, and it's primarily happening and coming out of the black church. And I find that to be so interesting because I wonder to myself, is this anti-blackness rearing its ugly head? Because we never really hear about white people being accused of being in the Illuminati. <laughs> There's only like black people and black people at the top of their game who get accused of, get accused of that. And I wonder like, is, is this an internalized anti-blackness from other black people that do not like for black people to get too far ahead of themselves or to have too large of a following? I remember when I was younger, um, it was like they, they they did the same thing about Michael Jackson too. He was too large. He was so large to where he became his music and everything became like an enemy of the church. And I feel like Beyonce is the same thing. It doesn't matter. Beyonce could go and make a gospel album right now, and I'm not sure that the church would even support her in that. She could start dressing like a Pentecostal and the church I don't would not support her in that but they might because they love um a mascot look what they did with kanye 
um, they love a mascot. They love somebody they can can use and say, this famous person, they love the Lord. You should too, and use it as a, as a tool of evangelism. I remember when the rapper Mace, uh, Mace and Betha became a pastor in Atlanta, he was literally making money, thousands of dollars, because all he had to do was go to these churches and half preach a little sermon and these people were giving him offerings thousands of dollars to just show up as this sort of representative like god has changed me he can change you too and people were going not because it, they wanted to be delivered or saved because it was mace because it was mace and betha that's why we were going um but yeah it's it's a mess. Um, there's this one later, Tiff, this lady Tiffany Montgomery, who came out of. Um, don't look her up. She's not worth it. Um, she came out of um, this black church movement called All Nations, that's headed by somebody else I don't like. Um, and I've seen her before, and uh, she basically comes off the conference, the self-help, um, financial help conference, you know, kind of like a black Susie Orman, if you will. She kind of comes off of that circuit and, and then kind of, you know, brought it over to the church and they're making money off the church ultimately now. And, but one of the things I noticed was that she is a novice. And she literally jumped straight into pastoral ministry, like pastoring, got all these people following her because she already had a huge following from the conference circuit. Um, but such bullshit, <laughs> such bullshit. She's going off and ranting and raving about Beyonce being a witch and how she has a coven and, um, and because there's so many of us, it's no longer a coven, it's a hive. And um, it was just all this shit. I mean, I've seen this. These movements have happened across the, the church, black and white, for a long time. You know, there was the whole anti-rock and roll movement. Um, but it tends to not happen as frequently, to my knowledge, in like white churches as it does in black churches. We have people who base their whole ministries off of trying to tear down um, black artists who have a whole bunch of power. And so there was this this woman is talking about, you know, and they're saying, God is God is bringing down your idols. God says he's going to bring down your idols. And then there was this other clip that um, Dr. Vanessa clicked into her video where the girl was saying she's got she's got one of those like Jewish uh, uh, kind of like little blankies over her head. And she's like, oh, the Lord is telling me that Beyonce is going to die. And I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> these people are terrible. You know, Maya Angelou said that words are spirit and they are life. And they get in the walls and they get in the carpet and they get and they stay around a while. And, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why you should be slow, slow to speak, 
But these people believe that the spirit and the power of God is all over them and they must say these things and they have this fervor in them. The baby, if you try to silence it, they're going to call you the devil next. They're going to say you working for the devil. Why are you protecting the devil? And it's just um, quite sad, all of it. Um, I don't have no more to say on the matter. Protect your hearts. Protect your minds. Um, give yourself some love this week. Try to do something that um, makes you happy. For me, it's drinking hot cocoa and... binge watching things and occasionally some wine. Amen. Um, but I am about to introduce you to the heart of this episode, which is this is a part two crossover episode with God is my special interest. So you're, that means you have to go to part we have to go to uh, D.L. Mayfield's blog in order to hear part one. And then you come back and hear part two here. Or you could listen however you want. You can listen here. Stay here and listen. And then come back. I mean, and then go over to D.L. Mayfield's page and listen to that. Um, to those of you who are coming over from... And I'll put the link in the info section of this podcast, um, and you'll be able to just see it there and click it and go see part one. Um, but for those of you coming over from uh, God is in my special interest, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> I hope you subscribe um, and like and leave comments, and you all can contact me at Richie at it again on, on Instagram and Twitter and um the tiktok um so i'm going to go right into uh part two of this episode of the crossover special after these messages there is not one single thing that has ever happened to you or will happen to you that will be wasted Everything is there showing up to make you more of who you were meant to be. None of us were meant to be common. We were born to be comets, darting across space and time, leaving our mark as we crash into everything. A crater is a reminder that something amazing happened right here. I think this is true for me. I'd be curious to know what you think. For me, I have a really hard time conceptualizing myself, but a word that feels good and honest and true to me is integrity. Like I've always tried to act with integrity, even though I was absolutely in fight or flight mode the vast majority of my life, even though I was swimming upstream, even though I had been indoctrinated to within an inch of my life, even though I had a ton of childhood trauma that I never did. You know, I, I was operating as, as with as much integrity as I could. And that's how I still operate to this day. Like now that I know more, now that I have deconverted, I'm like, well, I have to be honest about it. Like I can't, 
and I also have a really hard time. Like there's so much Christiany, so many spiritual, you know, platitudes, so much spiritual bypassing that happens in, in Christian spaces that I'm just like, for me, my autistic sense of integrity, I was like, well, I can't just play along with this anymore. Instead, I'm probably going to talk to you about terror management theory and how all of us are so afraid of death and how organized religion is one of the most you know, prominent ways we deal with our terror of death. And so psychologically and sociologically, this is why this happened. People don't want to hear that, Richie. Isn't no. that a surprise? They don't. <laughs> They're like, That's what yeah, I no. want to talk about. But I think that's because it becomes, uh, see, now I'm on the other side because my, my deconversion was in 2020. So I, oh, I have, it's been three years. Yeah. Okay. So I've reached the part where I can play with my churchy friends. Oh, good. And I want to hear do, about I this. I do it a lot on the podcast too. Uh, you know, and one of my, and I realized I was doing a TikTok video about something completely unrelated to, uh, like Christian Christianity or whatever, and I said at the end of it, "Come on, somebody!" But that's something, <laughs> that's something that there used to be years ago in the earlier days of the internet. There was a there was a churchy cat, um, oh. and the the cat's name was Tom, and the cat had like a southern accent. And every time he would say a churchy phrase, he would say, come on, somebody. Um, and it was so funny. Um, and it was one of the earlier days of the filters where, okay. some, you know, a person was probably behind it. But the cat would move his head and everything like a southern priest, like, come on, somebody. So that's really where it comes from. And, you know, autistic, autistics, we get stuck. We get a phrase stuck in our head. Like I've had phrases stim. stuck in yeah. my head. It's there yeah. forever. Um, oh, yeah. So that phrase is from high school. But I use it. You know, I can do the, um, you know, I like I'll start my podcast with a. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> because that is fun to me now. But when yeah. I was in the middle of it, yeah. when it was still very fresh for me, don't mention church to me. Don't it's tank. gotta be triggering. I'm yeah. not going to nobody's church. Y'all are weird. I'm ready to lecture you as soon as you mention it to me. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. I've I've certainly so I've had the both sides now at this point. It's just fun. I have a churchy friend who's still real, real churchy, but she curses sometimes, but she's real churchy. Otherwise, she still goes to Pentecostal church. She wears the long skirts and everything, but she calls me and we cut up on the phone. Like she'll start the phone call off. Glory to God. And we'll play around on the phone all the time. And, and, and it's fun because, you know, or I was, she was asking me what, you know, Pentecostal approved nail colors she should get. And like, you know, the cotton candies, the nudes, you know, all the, all the safe ones that are still holy. And so I said, you should get like, I named some, uh, bold, I said red or something. And she said, I'm not putting all them devilish colors on my nails like you do. <laughs> oh my God. That, that's how we play. So I, I enjoy it because, you know, and she knows, she knows a lot of that shit she believes in is like, you know, cause we've had deeper conversations about it and she knows that like, but she says it's, it's what I do. It's, it's what I've always done. It's what I know. She's not mean or judgmental or anything like that. She understands my queerness, all of that. But, um, she's just, and I actually, 
uh, every time I set out on my deconstruction journey, I pushed myself away from her. And she would be like, you're not getting rid of me. I don't care what you believe. And and that was, and but occasionally you find those people. Um, but yes, that is, it's a, it's funny on the other side. <laughs> okay. That's it's good to know. It's fun on the other side, especially when you, when people that you are cool with or close with, um, can get over themselves, but sometimes they never do. And I mean, especially me as a queer person who even will, like a friend of mine started a church um, last July. I mean, they were, I was friends with them when they were dating. Now they have four kids and they just started pastoring. And um, so they asked me to come to the first day. So I went, um, Brought my most expensive person uh, <laughs> and dressed up a little bit and came and went. I actually had a, a decent time. It was very, very comforting, very nice. Um, their church is the one I, I wrote the piece about how now that I'm diagnosed, I realized that uh, Pentecostal churches are too loud and they have always mm-hmm. been too loud mm-hmm. for me. And yes, I, I did not. That, yeah realized that I used to, people would ask me what was wrong because during the altar calls and the swell of those services, when they would get really, really loud, I would move towards the back or I would go in a corner to where I could like, and worship, very autistic. (laughs) I would be in a corner just worshiping by myself. And because I wanted to be away from all the noise and the commotion that was happening. But now, but I never knew why. And now that I know, and I'm back in this service, and the thing is so loud, and I kept finding myself going, oh, God, I need, why would they sit me by a speaker? Um, But, you know, it's a good time. But those people, the true essence of those relationships are destroyed. They, they, they love to see me, to know that I'm alive, to reminisce slightly on maybe our old, maybe you sung at our wedding, you know, kind of reminiscing, but they don't want to be friends. They don't want to connect with me because I represent to them someone who could move on, move away from the religion and still be okay. Yeah, exactly. And and be better maybe even and than be you were better in and the they, religion. And that is something that just can't be. It can't yes. be. So they I, need something to be wrong with me, right? Something. Yes. So I just need to want to sin or I just, it's, it must be the gay stuff. Uh, mm. It must be. But you know, and it, the funny thing is that I always get church people with every once in a while, you get a snooty one that'll, that'll try me. Um, and I have to tell them, I can guarantee you, you sin more than I do. I don't leave the house. I might. I say, <laughs> I'm like I drink a little wine for the stomach sake, but the apostle said that's okay. And um and I and I am I don't have sex. I'm celibate. Um. So your idea of me is some raging, flaming homosexual. It's just mm-hmm. not the truth. It's not mm-hmm. what's happening in my life. And um, you know, I I live my life with integrity. That's one of my favorite words too. But is it? Uh, it oh, is. I wondered if that resonated or not. And, okay, and, and how I explain it to people, because a lot of people don't know what that word means, but how I explain yes. it to people is being authentic, 
exactly who you say you are. Being who you say you are, being who you are when no one else is watching. Um, and, 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 and so, you know, but those people, they, they, and it, bo- some, it used to bother me. I'm starting to disconnect from that. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things I've been working through in therapy lately, that whole social relationship dynamic. Um, but, you know, it used to really bother me. These friends that we that I churched with. I mean, we took road trips to singles conferences and, you know, we went to this conference and that conference and that thing. And we had great church together. We went out to eat and we were real friends and we text and and it's almost like that. None of that exists. It's like, come to the service we're having. Okay, girl, I'm here. Mm. <laughs> so then when mm. I come, it's still very much, it's good to see you. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> you wanted me to come here for what? Oh, did you think your yeah, message was going like save me again or something? Because I'm mm-hmm. not there. I'm not in that space. But yeah, we represent to them that we could leave and that we could be mentally well, that we that our lives aren't in shambles. Mm-hmm. Because we have deconstructed and deconverted every time. I feel like even going to therapy regularly, doing what I need to do to take care of myself, everything that I do to take care of myself is a constant um, realization that I am okay. That mm-hmm. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, that I'm um, that I'm making my life uh, more manageable. I, that I'm doing well and I'm not doing it in the church and that's okay. It's one of the most beautiful things in the world. And I have to get up on a Sunday morning and rush around like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to find clothes to wear and socks to wear and shoes and get dressed and get there by 10 o'clock. And why do they have church so damn early? My God, <laughs> it's just <laughs> awful. And I never realized it until I stopped going and then people invite me. And I'm like, and it's like 1130 and, and this, their service started at 11 o'clock and I'm trying to put on my shoes. And I'm like, now I got to walk in late. Now, you know, like, it, it's just going to be a whole thing. But it's just like, oh, Lord. Even even the, Unite, um, the Unitarian Universalists start um early too i don't know but they they mostly white that's probably why they start early but uh <laughs> so I was like this sounds very uh, white is. to me yes early yes. old people and little kids i don't know it's just they get up early i guess yeah Who i'm knows? like because but i get i think they they're so used to it they're in a system they get up they have their coffee they get yeah. ready they go to church but yeah. me as somebody who doesn't go often i'm just usually like why is it so early but yeah, I um I know that we so so I wanted to kind of pivot a little bit. Okay. Um I know we're we're doing what we do. So <laughs> I know. I know. I was like, we I could just keep, you know, asking you all sorts of questions, but I you know, while you are pivoting, I just want to say one thing that listening to you just gave me like a burst of energy, positive energy to think like, oh, like I am going to be okay outside of this because 
sometimes it doesn't feel like that when you're in the thick of processing trauma, it doesn't feel fun, you you know, at all. And, and so I think that's a really helpful reminder and I'm sure there's people listening and I'm sure people are on all different parts of that journey. I'm, I'm kind of like in the thick of it and I recognize that. Mm -hmm. Um, but even hearing you say that, I was like, Oh my God, like I I am going to be okay. Like, and I get to decide for myself going forward and, and the church doesn't tell me what to do. Um, you know, this concept of God, uh, given to me by white men, you know, like that's not going to tell me what to do. And, and I I think like, Oh, there's there's a little bit of hope, you know, for big two. And I have a question. I'm scared that this is not going to go in the direction you want to pivot to. So I can hold my question. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. One question I have is, um, Again, I've been to more of these progressive spaces and, and I've heard some queer folks talk about them like not deconstructing fully, almost out of like spite. And I mean that in like the best sense possible, right? Mm. They want to prove you could be a queer Christian, right? They want to prove you can um, be, you know, from different marginalized groups and be a really good Christian. And, and, and again, there's all of this is sort of like pressure that has kept me in the fold too. Right. You mm-hmm. do, I just don't want, like I see people who fought so hard for their faith in these institutions that tried to crush them over and over and over again. And, and so I, I guess this is just a question I've had. And um, if you've seen that in your life too, like sometimes when you have, these intersectional identities, like it can actually keep you in the fold longer, almost like because you're so desperate to continue to prove to these institutions, like, yeah, I am a real Christian. Yes, <laughs> I do understand. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen that. You know what? It's it's a little different for me again because I I um I did not come into progressive Christianity until 2018. Um, that's my first you know introduction to that to that space. Um, so. I have met people like that, but coming out of uh, oneness, uh, Pentecostal, Pentecostalism, I see, we always thought we had the Jews. We thought because we was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and not the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that we were the bee's knees and then nobody else was saved. And, mm-hmm. and so like um, that everybody else was lost or in some form of falsehood because they believed in the Trinity and we had a, you know, a unitarian version of God. And it's so, although everybody's saying the same stuff, child, but it was just, you know, we, we had these ideas and it always, um, so, and I said it to say, I always felt like, as far as religion is concerned, I was, I was that girl. Um, I was, <laughs> so it never, like, and I knew that I was, I think oh, I like intellectually yeah. knew that I was doing it better than the other girls, uh, yeah, most yeah. of the time, yeah. just because they wasn't living nothing, child. They were, you know, it was like, you know, I'm yeah. doing this. Okay. I don't watch exactly. television. I'm holy. Okay, I evangelize. I'm teaching home Bible studies. What are you doing? And so, you know, uh, and I don't think I, at the time, I'm saying this in retrospect, but at the time, I, I don't think I was like prideful. Um, um, I used to, there used to be a, a old preacher in the cult that would say, woe to the crown of pride. Uh, but no, uh, that's, 
in my head <laughs> randomly, but it was, um, uh, you know, so I never really, and that also because I existed on those lines, those very line upon line, precept upon precept. In holiness, there is a straight and narrow way that only few will enter in, but wide is the way to hell. Um, and so I, so I, I never, uh, the, the, the concept of, um, being a progressive Christian as far as sexuality was concerned was yeah. never realistic to me Okay, because we were yeah. so super fundamentalist mm-hmm. that it was just like, that does not make sense. Yes. Um, it will never make sense to me. I remember when I was, um, I remember this guy called himself liking me and I was so, you know, we as autistics can become, robotic as fuck when it comes to what we like we will we are the best method actors in the world and oh you said it i mean that's yes we talked about that the last time we talked Uh and well we are we put it on and it was like this guy liked me and i remember i was like what i thought he was cute too but i still inside was like what and i noticed that he started calling me a lot and i started being like and I picked up on it at the time. I thought it was discernment. <laughs> I thought it was discerning, the, the, the discerning of spirits. I was picking up mm-hmm. on it, that homosexual mm-hmm. spirit that was trying to attach itself to me. And um, so I stopped answering. But then he would keep calling, keep calling. Because um, he really, we were really vibing, but I just, he got weird. Or so I thought. Um, but he just liked me. And one day he flat out said, I like you. And I was like, what you mean? He was like, no, I like you, like you. (laughs) I was like, Lord Jesus. (laughs) And I just like hung up the phone and I wouldn't talk to him. Um, and, and I remember saying to him, what did you expect me to do with this information? Did you want me to just, did you want to hold hands and, and praise God together in church? Do you think that's a possibility for us? I was really angry. You know, my mm-hmm. response was, it was really angry at the idea that that wasn't a possibility, mm-hmm. that I would never know that possibility. And, 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 but also angry that he sounded stupid. It didn't make sense. It didn't add up. What do you mean you like me? What can I do with that? I can't do anything with that. We can't be together. And it was, you know, that. So it was never an idea for me, but I've, in my own deconstruction, I've read a lot of those books, God and Gay, um, mm-hmm. Good God, Gay Girl by oh, um, by um, Jackie yeah. Hill Perry. <laughs> we might have to have a whole other episode about uh, her. Not, uh, yeah. Oh, dear. OK. <laughs> I actually, I actually met her. Um, okay. She, a friend of mine, used to travel on that poetry circuit when she used to do poetry uh, some years ago. Um, with, before Preston was her husband, and um, I um, read her book. I've read. Um, oh, I actually still do. I have it. Um, My Exodus uh, by the founder of Exodus, Alan. Um, Oh, what's his name? Alan Warner? I don't remember his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you all know who we're talking about. There's yes. documentaries and things. But um, I read his book um, where he talks about his own issues in sexuality. Um, I've read all the books. Um, and, you know, I find it interesting. I usually get, 
I read his book fully and I read Jackie Hill Perry's book fully, but I usually with the Christian gay books, I usually get halfway through and go, eh, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't because I don't need it. Um, I'm so clear in all that I've come through. That's why I think, um, that's why I think it's not easy. That when you're truly doing the work, you're in therapy, you're doing the research, you're having the things, you're not just wildly, because people who haven't done their work, you can tell. A lot of those, a lot of those wildly angry atheists, they aren't doing the work. They just, they've never done the work. They went from one um, form of dogmatic bullshit to the next. And... And I and 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 that's what I was actually going to pivot to. So this actually kind of works. Okay, let's do it. Um, I had a period in um, college, real quick. So after I got better and my health got better, and I stopped having panic attacks, and I got my body and my nerves under control, and I wasn't shaking anymore, and I was doing well and getting good grades again, and and I was all good. And I remember I woke up one day. In August 2011, and I knelt down to pray, and because I was still a part of that routine, that ritual was creating a part of getting better was creating a meditation routine, and so I would wake up and I would either meditate or pray, and so that morning I woke up to pray, and I'm on the side of my bed and I'm kneeling, and I have an open journal, a Bible, and because um, sometimes I would just free write journal. And um, as a part of my prayer, because sometimes I don't feel like talking again, didn't know. But now I know not feeling like talking is, you know, selective mutism or whatever. And so I am there. I'm on my knees and I couldn't get anything out. And I didn't know why. Probably just overwhelmed in my own life, overstimulated, whatever. So I go to write. And the first thing I write is I am gay and there is nothing I can do about it. This is during my prayer time. I thought that was so weird. Mm -hmm. But it felt like the known beyond the known was speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And and I wanted I stopped writing and then something said, keep writing. So I kept writing and I just started apologizing to myself for lying to myself. And I said, if God is the way, the truth, and the life. And who am I to deny my own truth? It does not make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense to me with all the scriptures I know and all the ways I've interpreted them. But I know that I must be true to who I am. And I must be true first to myself. And I'm like writing all this stuff. And ultimately, um, I just got up. ended up calling my ex-girlfriend at the time who was still, um, at this time I was still in the cult. And so I uh, called her. She ended up crying and making a whole moment about her. Um, Why didn't you tell me? Okay. Um, (laughs) Like, we're already broken up. Why does it matter at this point? But I think she was probably in... It's funny now because she was internalizing a lot of my autistic symptoms as me not really liking her. I'm actually pansexual, so I'll say that much. But she was internalizing that as me not really liking her. And the thing was, is I actually did like her, but I 
didn't make eye contact because I was autistic. And I didn't make eye contact when we were um, intimate, even though we weren't supposed to be. Um, (laughs) But um, we were being intimate and she would be like, you don't look at me. You don't, you know, and but all of that. And it really wasn't about that, but she just took the whole moment. And um, turned it into uh, that. And um, I I just pushed it deeper down inside. That's what happened. And when I went home for winter break, I ended up going to church. And that particular sermon, after I had come out (laughs) to myself and to my ex-girlfriend, and then I had told one of my roommates, too, who was pledging. Um... He was pledging a fraternity and they were literally torturing him. And I told him, hey, I might be gay. (laughs) No, I think I said I might be bi or something. I didn't know pansexual existed at the time. But, um, and I told everybody, ended up telling everybody. And so I was pretty much out at school, but then I went home and the sermon was about homosexuality. Yeah. And it was violent. Honey, it was real violent. And um, the people, and I remember just not really knowing uh, essentially like how to deal with uh, what I was experiencing. And I um, left church that day. And I was taking the train back to school and I was standing on the train tracks at 8th and Market in downtown Philadelphia. And I had planned to jump after I, this was after I left church and the train came and it knocked me back the, the wind. And I just stepped on the train and went, went to where I was going. And, um, From that moment, I pretty much was like, okay, so I'm not killing myself. Life doesn't end here. All right. It sounds to me like I got to (laughs) live and I got to live like this. And so I'm going to be, you know, just be who I am. And so the closet wasn't necessarily still a thing for me. Um, but it was because only the people I knew personally knew my mom, my family, my friends. Um, and, uh, but long story short, I would end up, um, I was really close with my pastor's son. I'm not sure if I talked about this on the other time we recorded, but I was really close with my pastor's son who ended up coming out to me. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. The one who was. The pastor who would be like, mm-hmm. um, y'all are worse than beast dogs. Um, like basically like homosexuals were like the worst thing to him. And when his oh son came gosh. out to me, it sent me in a whirlwind. And I was like, I remember breaking down and, um, Shortly after that, I found out that he, I think I talked about how he beat his son, fractured his ribs because he found um, nudes on his phone. And it was like after that, I was like, okay, <laughs> done. 
I don't want anything to do with church. I was so triggered by that experience. I literally completely walked away from the church. I started re- that. That was 2018 was when I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to not 2018. Excuse me. This was uh, 2012 at this point. And I said, you know what? I'm going to, I don't want anything to do with church. I'm never going to anybody's church again. That man is a liar. And at this point, I started realizing more like cult stuff. I started putting two and two together. It starts making, it starts being real weird for me. And so I started reading, what did I end up reading? This book called Godless, How an Evangelical Preacher Became an Atheist. And that was the first atheist book I read. And um, The Atheist Manifesto was another one. And so I was virtually an agnostic atheist at that point, which probably shocked me too, but I was so angry. Like, I'm not, but I was about to become... I mean, and shout out to Jeff. I love Jeff from um, Deconstruction TikTok, but... He's had like 10 TikTok accounts and he like hates religious people. But I think <laughs> he is like one of those atheists I talked about. Like I, I I love him. I actually purchased a cup from him. I have on my desk. It says God is not dope because he hated those God is dope shirts. Um, oh. And so he has a hit. So I bought one of them in 2020. But um, I was on my way to becoming like that. I was so angry with anything revolving around Christianity, but I feel like I got brought back in um, because I needed to heal um, how deeply I was wounded regarding the church. And I didn't need to leave wounded um, because I probably would have wounded many others. Um, I, I just didn't, not me, maybe somebody else could, and maybe they don't care about that, but I could not leave wounded. I needed to get it together and I needed to heal and I needed to go back and have some conversations. I did mention before how I went back and talked to him and told him that I knew that he abused his son and told him that he was just like my father, who was a monster. And, um, you know, and I was able to kind of repair my relationship with the institution in my mind, um, as well as, you know, in real life, while also fully and completely walking away. Um, And ultimately, it would be, I mean, it took a while, though. It took some years. And I, I said fully and completely walking away like it happened right then and there. But no, it was definitely from 2012, um, from 2013, after I graduated, came back, started going to church again and um, tried to reclaim my faith. Now, I never did go back into the closet. I just didn't talk about the fact that I was also attracted to men. Um, and but 2015... I tried to go to um, um, one of those non-denominational mega churches, mm-hmm. 
Which, if you're going to go to church and you want to be left alone, <laughs> go to a mega church. Because you can just go and go home. Nobody's going to bother you except for good morning. They might offer you free coffee and donuts. Like, yeah, mega true. churches are the coolest and they just leave you alone in a way that, like, smaller churches, they don't. They always right. bother you. They need, they're going to read your name card from the podium. Like, all of that is going to be so embarrassing. But mega churches, they're just like, hi, welcome. You you can sit anywhere you like <laughs> and no mean ushers or greeters. Um, but, um, I started going to a mega church and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but then I got tired of them. So I, I for a long time before 2020, I, I just would, uh, start going to a church for like a month. Then I would get sick of them and stop going. <laughs> So while I mean, my de- you- deconstruction journey was was pretty much, I'd say it was kind of, it was headed towards completion, but I was still like, I like the feel of a black church and I enjoy gospel music a significant mm-hmm. amount. Um, it is electric and, um, and, you know, I like some CCM stuff, but gospel music is is fiery and so i enjoy that and the connection to um the african spirituality that that we bring into gospel music that makes that so electric and so i allow my africanness and that connection uh to kind of link me to the gospel music but a lot of times i'll still be listening to this shit and be like well, that don't make no sense. I'm <laughs> back to that don't make no sense. Maybe that's what I'll call this <laughs> episode. But it's like I was listening to a song the other day and and I was jamming to this album. I probably was like eight songs in. And the singer said, God don't need no him. He don't need no her. And I said, well, if he don't need me, why he bother us so much? Why do y'all bother us? I literally blurted this out in the car like he was there with me. And I was turning the song off. I was like, what? This is weird. He don't need us. Oh, if he don't need us, then peace. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I mean, this is this is what's so fascinating because, like, I have the pastor of the church, you know, I've been going to the past few years and uh, wants to get together and have coffee and uh, talk coffee. about, like, how to make, and he's lovely. I love him. He's my friend. Um, but he was like, I want to talk about like how to make a church service, you know, where people have more autonomy and it's less about coercive control. And I, I was like, Oh man, I don't think you want to actually talk to me because <laughs> for me, coming out of white evangelicalism, like I don't have like this connection you feel to African spirituality or to almost like the protest history of gospel music, right? Yeah. And all of that. And so in white evangelicalism, we have like Hillsong, we have Bethel music, and it's about creating an environment where people are more susceptible to indoctrination. And it manufactures an emotional relationship with a God that needs you disconnected from yourself and actually hating yourself and and putting all your psychological, you know, whatever into this institution to protect you. And so for me, I'm like, worship music is very triggering. It's all about 
getting me into a state where I'm more vulnerable to manipulate. Like, I can't see any good in it. This is so wild. This is where I'm coming from, right? It's really different. And I don't think my experience is like everybody. No, 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 no. It is. There's a lot of people who have said this, who are on their deconstruction journey. And they're like, I don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They can't listen to it. No, 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 no. And it's so funny because I can turn on... You know, spirit, lead me where my trust is oh, without Oh, borders. no, 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 no. And I will be like, yes. And I'll just like kind of make something up in my head to make it make sense. Yeah. But it's like, I will turn that on to relax. Like the Hill song, the Bethel music, not oh, all the I time. Cyber, I cyber bully those people on Instagram because they are all making pro Trump documentaries. And what? so I, like, this is the world I'm in. <laughs> See, thank you for revealing it. I won't turn that shit on no more. See, I would not I was give them any of your money or time. Like, no. I was seeing this as, you know, like, set a fire down in my heart. You know, I was <laughs> listening to that and I'm just like, oh, this is so relaxing. <laughs> like, it's some kind of like meditation music. I I, I was still, I, you know, I don't play it all the time. It's a little, you know, it's a little boring. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I just, you know, it's very, uh, but it can be very relaxing, mellow. Like, yeah, set a fire down in my heart that i can't contain that i can't control yes passion fire you know that's how i was connecting it right and i'm enjoying it but then i'd hear people in deconstruction tiktok like oh god can it, is anybody else sick of worship music i can't it's so triggering and i'm like oh so it, it is very flip side yeah. but there are black people yeah. too who cannot who don't want to hear like gospel music they they can't so i get it just depends I think it's a really personal thing. I, I will say that some of the commonalities I see here, it's like people are going to respond to fundamentalism in different ways, you know? And it's just, I think we do need to make more space for the fact that people are going to respond differently to this. Like, I feel like your story of like listening to a sermon that because you're autistic you're just like, I do take this so literally and deeply that made you not want to be alive anymore. Like that is so heavy. Like that's enough for one person, right. To spend the rest of their life in therapy unpacking. Right. <laughs> right. And then you have like a, a million of those stories and, and just thinking like, we're all gonna be responding to this differently. But for those of us who grew up in these high control religious environments that taught us to be disconnected from ourselves. Like it's just so hard to simultaneously be discovering this freedom of, I am here for myself and I can get to know myself more and I will actually be a happier, healthier person that comes at the cost of losing everything you built your life around and everything you invested your mask into right so it's it's so complicated and of course everybody's story is going to be so different and i'm totally shocked by mine if i'm being perfectly honest my husband even was like (laughs) i thought you'd be into jesus like you'd just be like yeah i'm done with christianity but you know i love jesus i'm gonna do this whole thing and because i'm autistic i'm like oh i wish i was like that too but i'm not and i therefore have to be honest about it the fact that I think Jesus has how he's been used in white evangelicalism, right? Was only used to get me to not be myself, to get to try and be like a perfect person, which of course I couldn't be like 
Jesus. And so therefore I, I hated myself, you know, and, and like everyone around me is like, yeah, that's the goal. Hate yourself into oblivion, you know, and work really hard. So I just, I'm glad that we're able to chat because I think we just have to have these more nuanced looks into deconstruction. I get very, I'm actually not really involved in deconstruction world, which is why I've probably been a little blindsided by the response to me you know i just thought if you don't if you don't care like you'll just keep scrolling don't (laughs) no because they see deconstruction tiktok as um like a war against christianity oh well these are like these aren't strangers these are people who've read my writing for like 10 years and um stuff like that and and i just I, I guess I just am so surprised. Like, I'm allowed to make my own decision. But when you're in that fundamentalist mindset, you don't know that. Like, I was in so deep. I didn't know I could leave Christianity until this year. Like, that's how deep I was. And it's mm. shameful. It's even shameful for me to say because I've always considered myself an intelligent person. And But I'm just like, I truly didn't know I could leave, you know? I felt that way for a long time. Of that. Yeah. And I think that I think that's people who have been in involved in religious indoctrination. That's a hallmark, and and so I think calling it that. And even though you and I have had such different experiences, I feel like that's one of the commonalities. Is uh, you know the indoctrination worked on us for many many years, and we'll be yeah. untangling that the rest of our lives. But I'm so glad to be here now. It is so difficult. I understand why people are like, it's actually much easier just to stay Christian and to not, just not think about it too deeply. And, and I, you know, who is she? I don't know her. I don't know people who can live like that, but I I see that a lot of people do it. And so I'm just learning to own my own story and say like, well, I can't do that, but I understand why you can. And I can't fathom that either. Like yeah. um, and maybe it's an autism thing. I'm not sure. About yeah, that. because sure. I think well, I think both of us really, really, really tried. I I remember really trying to fit myself into those spaces. But even when I was trying my best, and I would say something, I had a friend who I believe was probably also undiagnosed autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, when you're bent on trying to be a good Christian as both of us were, but I remember one time my pastor was preaching and he was getting real happy. And he was like, um, because you can go to hell for being poor. And I looked at my friend and I was like, what? And he was like, so he's tapping me like, shut up. Don't start. And I'm like, the Bible says the poor you should have, but you always, this doesn't make sense. And he's like, shut your mouth. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and I'm like, and so I, even then, again, yeah. I was, I, even, I was the person writing the three paragraphs <laughs> about something that was simple that went over <laughs> everybody else's head, right? It, yeah. That line came out. Yeah. Nobody else heard it. Nobody else. Yeah. And I, when I left that church, I said that. He was a false prophet because he taught that for years. Like I held on to the fact that that man, that man probably does not remember saying that. <laughs> he probably doesn't remember saying it at all. But I love, but I, I love that you're like he's it. a false 
prophet. I was like, he's a false prophet. Not only because of that, like I had a list of things that he had said that were not the truth, unbiblical. And I was like, he's a liar and a false prophet. And I remember oh writing a note oh my God. on MySpace. Take you back. Yeah. I wrote a note on MySpace, and all of my old church members were so upset at me for calling their pastor a false prophet. <laughs> it's like, why would you oh. say that? Because I didn't use him. I didn't say no, any names in the in the note. I just talked about my journey, and I said I had a preacher who once, and I listed all these things. And I was like, yeah. and he's a false prophet, and, and they knew who it was. And they're oh like, why gosh. would you call? That's a shame. You would say that to the man of God, like about the man of God. I was like, God, please. Like, what? You're like, wow. It did, but when things didn't make sense to me, so it, I never, I just never had a chance. And sometimes I'm going to be honest, even on the tail end of this, when it comes to social relationships, unless it's with other people who, um, are also neurodivergent. Um, I find myself still feeling like I don't have a chance of fitting in. And maybe uh, that'll get better now that I know what it is. But, um, oh, this is a healthy pivot, I guess. I um, ran into an old friend from like elementary school this year, last year. And we ran into each other at the nail shop and she was like, Oh my God, I've been following you for so long. I enjoy your story so much and we should hang out sometime. And I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, whatever. And so, cause I've learned not to take people seriously with that stuff yeah. because yeah. the way I think about it autistically is like, you didn't show up for our dinner. You're not a good person. You don't do what you said you were going to do. You don't have integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, I was like, okay, sure. But she was really, she thought it was like, she really wanted to do it. So we hung out. We hung out all summer. We went to festivals. We did all kind of stuff together. Um, we had a really good time. She was my first unmasked friend. We became friends mm-hmm. right after I was diagnosed and I was unmasking. And she knew everything. I taught her about autism and the way things affect me and all of that. And we used to have movie nights. And I'll tell you that um, I have not heard for her from her in over like a month. Mm-hmm. She ghosted me. That was it. And 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 fully knew that I, you know, like that this would affect me in this way. And I get, I've been trying to accept that. Everything we do is intentional because we have to do it. We have to put our whole being into doing things or else they won't get done. So when other people do things, we interpret their actions as intentional. But a lot of neurotypical people are just doing shit. And I try to accept that with my knowledge of them. But it makes it very hard when I've explained to you. I'm unmasked with you. I've explained to you the way that these things affect me. And you disappear for months on end without being clear. And you know that my personal motto is to be clear is to be kind. And to be unclear is to be unkind. And so you just disappearing without saying, because she could have just said, hey, I need a little break. 
I'm exhausted. Yeah. You know, we just had the holidays. I'm over it. You know, I just need a little break. You know, I'll contact you when, you know, I want to get together. And I would have, that's clear. That's kind. I would have had to readjust, but I would have, it would have been clear and I would have respected that um, because I've come at least that far in my journey of dealing with people. But um, yeah, no, she just disappeared, vanished. <laughs> um, I mean, and, and was it, still watching my stories. Which is weird. I had to like. I mean, I I think we we have to unfortunately wrap up this conversation here, but I think that's actually a good spot to end it because I I I have always struggled with social relationships and feeling like I'm one step away from losing, you know, a friend because that always seems to happen. Um, And you know, religion was a way to get social value and friendships and deep conversation for me was very important. That's how I connect. If if we're talking about existential questions, you know, and just like, Oh yeah, this deconversion thing is like one extra step in, in being like, Oh yeah. And now, you know, people can move on at the same time. It is really nice to think about going forward. Like I get to choose and be intentional with where I might, try to invest in people again and yeah i mean it's mostly neurodivergent people and and that's not to say neurodivergent people are all safe people i think you and i both know that that's not true (laughs) um but people who are you already said doing the work is the other thing i told my husband i was like i just don't want to talk to anybody who's not in therapy that's (laughs) like kind of how i feel even more important than the neurodivergent thing it's like we need this baseline of like the systems are fucked up. I need to learn myself better so I can make better choices that don't harm people and be accountable for my own harm I perpetuate while also healing from generational harm. I'm like, yeah, that is that's my full-time job. You know, I'm a mom to two kids. Like, I cannot pass on this shit. Like, I cannot. Like, it is so vital that I do my work right now. And so I'm like, yeah, that's all I have energy for. I honestly, it's really nice not to have the Christian questions plaguing me at all times because (laughs) I I need my brain for other things right now, you know? Absolutely. Um, And so it feels good. I mean, they still pop up because I don't, I think decades of disordered thinking that does not go away overnight, especially if you grew up like I did where your disordered thinking was called the Holy spirit and absolutely (laughs) over spiritualized. Um, So I, I, you know, it's not like it's a hundred percent better, but it is markedly better. And I'm like, we're here. We're doing this. It's gonna. There's still gonna be things that are really hard. But I just want to say thanks for being honest about your own journey. Um, you know, one thing I do think about autistic people who were all in on religion, like nobody knows how hard we tried. Nobody knows all the books we read, all Oof. the podcasts we listened to, all the worship music we tried to center us and ground us, and just like. I know that you're one of those people that tried so, so, so hard and for decades. And so hopefully if people are listening, that's one takeaway they can have from us is like, this is not a knee jerk thing. This is not, you know, for me, it kind of felt like it happened overnight, but that's not true. I was just in fight or flight mode. So I wasn't able to engage fully with my questions. So yeah, you've, you've done the work. And you're doing the work now. And I just want to thank you for that. 
Thank you as well. This has been a good conversation as usual. And um, we'll talk soon. Okay. So long. Farewell to you, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to Surviving Fundamentalism with Richie X. This is the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely gonna have a problem with this shit. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, things you want me to talk about, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Surviving Fundamentalism or Instagram.com slash Richie at it again. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your aunties, uh, tell some people that's just questioning, you know, get the people involved, run it up, run the numbers up, okay? And I will be back next week.